doing when I what what doing when I what what doing when I fat boys tripping. Greetings, holiday shoppers. This is 112 shopping days left until Christmas, and I believe you know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your one-stop shop for holiday movies and TV shows all year round. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight are my co-hosts, Johnny Five, the human robot. Hello. Hello, John. How you doing? Uh, I've been worse. Fair enough. And Mr. Bradford is here as well. Brad? That song wasn't even in this fucking movie. Fuck you. Wait, is, wait, is this... Wait a minute, hang on. Is this Sandstorm? Is it 2006? <laughs> Did we fall into a time loop? Is it 2006? What the fuck is going on here? It's it's 1999. <laughs> Towers are still intact. Everybody's really stoked about Y2K. It's 1999, baby. Speaking of the towers still being intact, there's a vape shop here in town that their logo is totally a New York skyline silhouette that still has the Twin Towers in it. I know that vape shop. Don't ask me why I know that vape shop, but I know that vape shop. Is it just some clip art they found off of, like, the Corel Picasso? Yeah, it like... just be some random, like, Google image search, free image thing. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Uh, some, I, and I'm sure someone's told them, and I'm sure they don't care. Because it's a vape shop. Uh, Nobody cares. Yep. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, yeah, we are in a time warp here because it is 1999 on this podcast because we're talking about uh doug lyman's 1999 film go which just like our the last film we covered on this podcast is definitely a christmas movie despite what some people might say but this one for more overt reasons than uh the last episode because there are santa clauses and christmas lights and christmas trees and all kinds of fun stuff going on uh underneath the surface of an otherwise non-christmas related film and we'll talk about that uh, here shortly. But first, we have one quick thing that we need to discuss before things get underway tonight. Uh, Halloween candy is back in the stores, folks. As we record this, it's a day after Labor Day, which means it's officially Halloween season. And guess what, folks? The the Franken peeps are here, and I have some to torture you with tonight on the show. I put the poll up over the week asking our listeners whether or not they wanted to hear me imbibe these on the podcast and it was pretty close it was pretty tight uh but the yes crowd definitely won out by a fairly slim margin so instead of eating the whole thing at once which was my original plan i've got a, a, a sleeve here of nine franken peeps they're they're called peeps marshmallow monsters but come on folks they're franken peeps um <sighs> Yeah. So you're going to be turning these into some sort of molten slurry and drinking them? Um, kind of. I was just going to just mash them all into my gob at one in one go. That's and good podcasting it, right there. That is a, well, you yeah. said you're going to imbibe them, so I, I assume you're going to be drinking them somehow. Well, you know. Uh, I hate you both right now. I Yeah. For well, me, you're, be, you're not. For being a pedantic asshole. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for that, Brad. But you guys are not staring down. The horrible visage of a little green marshmallow man. Um, I thought that Hulk peeps. <laughs> no, Hulks. they're they're, they're, they're Franken peeps. 
And All right. he, here we go. Here here he goes right into my disgusting maw. There's one down the hatch. I guess we're not getting a lot of chewing sounds because it's it's fluffy marshmallow. I used to like peeps when I was little. While while Joe is eating this, I'm sparing you the sound of his smacking gob. Mmm. Delicious. I mean, it's a peep. Now, what do you people want? I want you to not chew into the microphone. Does it taste any different than other peeps? Because as I understand it, peeps don't really have a flavor. They're just sugar, yeah. right? Yeah, this is this there's there's no flavor here. It's um the color, it does not taste like it doesn't taste like green. Just this just the same way that pink peeps do not taste like pink and yellow peeps do not taste like yellow. In high school taste. we put a peep in a vacuum chamber and made it like three times its size. <laughs> you can also do that in the microwave and then it catches well, on fire. Yeah, what what happened to that peep? Did y'all uh, cut it up and eat it or did you just dis- dispose of it like the horrible science experiment that it was? Oh, when you turn the vacuum chamber off, it like shrinks into like half normal size too. Oh, oh wow. That's a <laughs> horrible beats. existence. But no, this it doesn't taste like lime. It doesn't taste like, you know, green NyQuil or anything like that. It's it's just uh Sugar. Uh, it's just a sugar marshmallow with a little creepy little face on it. Tastes of sugar with a smack of sugar and an aftertaste of sugar. Yep, it's just a mainline in sugar right into your bloodstream. Mm. I'm sorry, I said I was going to eat only one, but I'm, I'm currently having my second. You do you, Joe. You do you. <laughs> Just don't, you know just don't take any more than two because otherwise you're going to be frying an egg off of them. <laughs> right. I'll, two is all I'm going to have because otherwise I'm going to be having a fucking one man party over here by the end of this podcast. I'm going to have to put you in a pile of scrap metal and tell you to hide like a mouse. <laughs> Leave me there overnight and hope that I don't <laughs> kill myself from the, the the sweet sugar rush of Frankenstein's uh, horrifying visage. All right. Okay. So I- yeah. Uh, we're talking about Go tonight on the podcast, which is a, a, a movie about raves and parties and drug dealers and ecstasy and uh, shit going awry. Yes. So, gentle friends, uh, first impressions of Doug Lyman's Go. Javier Cugat is the name of someone dead who starts with X. I Dep- Depending on your uh, preferred X-Men canon, uh, Exa- Charles Xavier... Are we doing last names, or is it, does it have to it's, start with a first name? No, the way the game works is the last, the first letter of the last name, you have to think of someone whose first name starts with that letter. Oh, it's, I, okay. It's Shiri Tori is, is the name of the game in other languages. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But uh, So first impressions about Go. Uh, what did you guys think? I kind of liked it. I didn't hate it. It was, it was good enough. Okay. It wasn't an amazing movie, but I enjoyed my time with it, I guess. Yeah, I'll I'll say I had never seen this before, but it's been one that's kind of been recommended to me several times. Not for this podcast, oddly enough, but uh, yeah, it was it was a fun time. But I can, with a little bit of distance on it, I can kind of see sort of the influences that sparked it, and mm-hmm. eh, it, it's very 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 nineteen ninety nine. I'll say that. Yeah, maybe that's why I liked it. I don't know. Took, also, there were parts I didn't special, like, obviously. It took you back to a special place in your childhood. I guess, when I was 11 and things were weird. Every building ever was ugly. Brad was way bit, way big into X when he was 11, apparently. No lie, there was a time before my weeb phase, but after I had started being on the internet where I really liked like techno music and I was starting to get into... like I, I was that special age where like you want to do big, big kid stuff. 
you know, you want to do cool stuff. And I thought like the raving rave culture stuff was really cool for a minute. <laughs> so you're like, wow, I, know, I really I, like this music and this clothes. And I, in, instead of being like, oh, I do this because of the drugs. <laughs> I just really like Jinkos and glow sticks. What do you want? Yeah, I didn't understand the drugs and sex angle. And thankfully it never got to, it never escalated to a point where I like bought goggles and like, I already had cargo pants, but <laughs> I didn't like get frosted tips or anything. So thank goodness for that. But then the weeb phase came, and can you, we're can not going to talk about wardrobe. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the wardrobe choices during the weeb phase. And there's a little bit of overlap there. Sorry, you were saying. I said I I was saying something about devil sticks, but then you just stomped all the fuck over my words. So never mind. No, I want to really hear what John had to say. I like glow sticks. No devil sticks, not glow sticks. I never had a pair of devil sticks. I was not coordinated enough to to wield the D sticks. Can I ask one question about uh, about all this? About yeah. devil sticks? Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So my question. Yeah. Hi. Long time. First time. Uh, my question is: Is the crossover between rave culture and weeb culture the goggles? It's I was going to say it's the, the bad pants. It's <laughs> there's actually a lot to it. There's the bad pants. There's the bad fashion choices overall. Glow sticks are an element. Techno music is an element. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, go to any Hatsune Miku concert, and so, it's basically it's basically a weeb rave. I mean, so I, I guess the really the only the only separation between the two is sort of the change in in music, because like nineties nineties techno is a very specific like era in time, and once you get past like two thousand two thousand one, it sort of shifts into a whole different sort of mode of like house and trap music and all that stuff and. Right. dubstep and, and then it gets into the stuff where i don't know about anymore so i'm just gonna stop talking <laughs> future future step <laughs> I, I can which, i can which core i can easily imagine a version of go that is like nothing that is like entirely skrillex based and it horrifies me <laughs> stomp house dad core Post rhyme time, time. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our new podcast dad core stomp house <laughs> Where we talk about all things techno from twenty years past. You know, it's gonna Puzzle be a pop. it's gonna be a really friggin' weird um, retirement home where it's like in, where like all the old people are just like, I want to I want to hear the the classic prodigy of my day, <laughs> Nurse Alexa, play Firestarter. I've thought about that about how fucking buck wild retirement homes are going to be when millennials are in retirement homes. <laughs> <It's gonna> be... <laughs> millennials are going to retire. Uh. Well, okay. 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 Old, fo- old folks home. You know what I'm talking Assisted about. Living. Where we're too where we're too senile and weak to do to do anything and That's what being a Walmart greeter is for. Yeah, supposedly <laughs> we're all not dead. But okay, imagine for me a fantasy scenario where let's shift the timeline back 50 years and millennials are now in retirement homes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it, we're going to, we're getting into a, a sort of a sad discussion right now, but it bears, it bears working out. So right now, like you go to, into a retirement home and the, the aesthetic is like fifties and doo-wop and like, cause those the people that are in retirement homes now, like that was sort of their teenage years. And that's kind of the aesthetic that they have kind of mapped out for them. So imagine a, a millennial retirement home, if you will, and there's nothing but Homestar Runner characters on the walls, and there's a jukebox <laughs> that plays nothing but friggin' Echo Smith or whatever kids are listening to right now. I don't know. 
people bring in old consoles and they have craft mm-hmm. beer nights. Yeah, like your 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 uh, your nightly a dose of cough medicine tastes like surge, and <laughs> <laughs> all the t- all the TVs for some reason play MTV Cribs. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a nightmare. And all avocado the old people, toast is the yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday for lunch is avocado toast day. <laughs> yeah, it's going to bring a new meaning to the term blue hairs, because all the old oh, people yeah. will still have blue hair, but for entirely different reasons. Yes. Uh... Welcome to the wacky world of millennial fashion, everybody. Ah. Uh... A horrifying era, sort of codified by the 1999 film Go, which is less about millennials and more about Gen Xers. Um, I was gonna gonna ask. You two are both still technically millennials, right? Brad, so are you. No, I know, I know, I am, but I know I'm a, like on the older end. You of never stop being definition. a millennial. I know. I'm saying, you know what I'm asking. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Are you two? I know that different demographers define it differently, but you two are both still within the millennial generation. You're not Gen Xers, are you? No, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, I was born. I was born in the late '80s, so no. Yeah, same Z's. J five. Uh, I reject all your bullshit labels, man. Good for you. You know what? That's that's <laughs> you're you're yeah. a true original, J five. I, I honestly, I don't know how to thread the needle here because avocado toast is a thing people are mad about, like last year. But then you're talking about Homestar Runner, which there was like a three-year period where anyone knows what the fuck Homestar Runner is. Yeah, that's true. Well, millennials have 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 various and and differing uh, tastes, and we're fickle beings, and our our interests change on a whim. Or it's almost as if you can't put an entire twenty-year range of people into a single demographic thing and blame all of social ills and everything on them how about that exactly unless they're boomers in which case yeah go the fuck ahead because it is their fault. <laughs> yeah pretty much f the <laughs> it's their fault yeah it's it's, it, it's yeah. their fault restaurants are failing not ours goddamn hooters man it's all about hooters <laughs> as as we record this like the current hand ringing is over fucking hooters of all things yeah yeah can you imagine anybody other than the CEO of Hooters being upset that Hooters is going the way of the dinosaur? Yeah, for real. I mean, you can just do, like, you know, Postmates and watch pornography at home. The only people who are mad that Hooters is closing is people who really like to sexually harass a captive audience. Absolutely. It's exactly. it's for people that don't know or can't view porn, yeah. which is boomers. And no, it's, if, like I said, if, it's not just that. Like, any, anyone can go watch porn. It's just that if you want to be able to sexually harass people who yeah. are dependent on you for tips, that's what Hooters is for. Yeah. It's creepy olds. I was dragged to a Hooters against my will at the age of 12, and even then uh-huh. I knew I didn't like this place. No, I'm kidding. Even <laughs> then, I... <laughs> a likely story. We know you were... 12-year-old Joe is jostling, both physically and metaphorically, to go to Hooters. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, okay, at 12 years old, all I wanted to do was play Magic the Gathering, and my dad insisted on going to a Hooters, and I insisted on taking my Magic the Gathering cards in there with me, and the waitress was feigning and feigning interest in it for some strange reason, and I never liked it, and I still Because don't. she wanted money from your dad. Yeah. Yes, yes, 
But at the same time, I I knew instantly that it was it was horrible pandering, and I wanted none of it. I just wanted to eat my food and do my thing and leave. But eat your no. food and look at your black lotus card. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, welcome to an insight into, into my twelve year old childhood. It's it's okay. We've all been there. Good lord. But no, like for real. Like my my part of the whole Hooters debate is like you know what? There are better chicken wing places around, guys. If you really want chicken wings, you're gonna go to a place that sells good ones and not Hooters. But maybe I'm I don't weird. think anybody. Is and if you wanted to like just sexually harass a waitress, Hooters. I mean, yeah. There's like tilted kilt and shit that has a way better aesthetic than Hooters. Not that I would endorse those places necessarily, but like seriously, who it, the fuck still wants that like non flesh colored like tights bullshit? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's that's the other thing. Hooters hasn't updated their aesthetic since the fucking seventies. Well, that's that's the other part of it too. Like like the the sort of sea level like Hooters aesthetic is like eight weird seventies and eighties nostalgia. And that's kind of like part of their thing now, which is strange to me, but uh, we're, we're, we're getting far afield of, of uh, the topic at hand here. We're supposed to be talking about this awful film, which I'm, <laughs> yes, this film is not about sexually harassing waitresses. It's about sexually harassing your coworkers. Yes. Or sexually harassing somebody you're about to sell drugs to. Oh, yeah, there is that, isn't there? <laughs> yep, there is absolutely that super rapey scene. Whoops-a-doodle. All right. Well, uh, so yeah, let's talk about Go real quick. Um, this is an odd film to discuss because there's not really so much of a plot as there is just sort of a series of vignettes that kind of interweave and, and connect at the end by accident. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll try no, our it, best No, here. there is a plot. It's just one of those things where Tarantino happened a few years earlier. And everybody thought it was cool, and they decided they wanted to do you, it. You know what? I don't see this as, as being so much of a Tarantino knockoff. I see this more as like a, a Kevin Smith Clerks kind of knockoff. No, this is very hmm. specifically what I'm saying is, I'm not going to call it a knockoff, but it's... Uh, Inspired by? It's looking at Pulp Fiction's notes, is what I'll say. Okay. Yeah, that, non, that, that non-traditional multiple storylines kind of thing going... Maybe I'm maybe I'm weird in that Pulp Fiction's not my my initial go to when I think of Tarantino. Oh but, no, I'm not. I'm yeah. just saying this is very specifically the Pulp Fiction vibe of like multiple, but it's still interconnecting stories, and you jump back and forth in time, and then yes. also there's a lot yeah. of crime okay. and swearing. That's that, that's that's fair. I I guess when I saw like the the title cards came up for each individual character whose stories that we follow, like I saw that as a very like sort of clerk's device that they stole. Because that movie does that too. No, Clerks does random words like vagary. Well, yeah, but they they also introduce also, Jay and Silent. Pulp they also no, do the they, doesn't Pulp Fiction do the title cards? I honestly could not tell like, you. I'm like, pretty sure it did. Like, doesn't it start with but like there's there's none for the first section, then it goes to then there's like there's part two Butch and part three Jules and Vincent, right? I don't remember if there's title cards or not. You know, if you're right, I'm going to feel like a real jackass. So I'm going to say you're right, and I'm just going to be a jackass. <laughs> that sounds more right, and that it lends more credence to the idea that this is more of a, a, a Pulp fiction light kind of film. Um, I read it on Wikipedia, so it must be true. So, But there were, I mean, there were several movies, especially in the late 90s, that all had that kind of vibe of, 
what if we of the whole weird interconnecting story thing i i yeah. i know there's very specifically a few others but they aren't coming to mind um i mean then there's also run on the run for that matter which is a few years later yeah this kind of has a run on the run vibe too because like with that film it's like the same the same like story retold three different ways and in in go it's like the same story from three different perspectives or three different parts of the same story rather which, yeah, because we don't necessarily have an unreliable narrator. It's not like Rashomon or anything like that. No, not 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 quite. No, but it's it's more like we follow three different characters during this sort of uh, story, and each one has their part that kind of splits off and goes its own direction. And, and also, and what doesn't converge. help the confusion is the lingual episode of The Simpsons, which someone totally wrote after watching Go, but by the time it was produced, Ron the Laron was a thing, so they just took their episode where the plot was the plot of the movie Go. And added a bunch of run the run, 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 run references to it. Oh, that's that's awkward. <laughs> that's extremely awkward. <laughs> John August, the writer of this film, initially wrote the first section, uh, following uh, Rana, played by Sarah Polly. And people liked that section so much they said, "Well, what else? What else is going on with these characters?" So he filled it out with a section about Simon and a section about Alex and uh, whatever the other guy's name is, Zach. And so that's kind of what we end up with is a film where uh, we follow one character on Christmas Eve. And then as soon as that story kind of ends, we, we backtrack and follow a second character on Christmas Eve. And then once that story ends, we backtrack further and follow more characters on Christmas Eve. All right. I think the best way to do this plot synopsis is each one of us takes one part. Dibs on Simon. Um, I guess I will take uh, Rana. Okay. And J5 will take Alex and <laughs> Alex Adam, Adam and Zach. So the film okay. the film starts um well actually the film starts with a random quote from or a random scene with Katie Holmes where she just gives this little speech about, you know, you know what I love best about Christmas? It's the surprises. And she talks about how much she loves, you know, thinking that you're going to get one thing and all of a sudden you're getting something else, which you think is going to be like a setup for the film and it's kind of not. And I'll just say yeah, she is clearly the fuck on speed. Oh yeah, she is rattling through the speech like a like she has like she has to go to the bathroom or something. Yeah. So Rana is a grocery store clerk and she is in danger of being evicted from her apartment, which her her coworker Simon assures her in a, a very a very screenwriterly line, they wouldn't evict you on Christmas, you would be ho ho homeless. It's terrible. It's 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 the worst. So Rana, uh, you might need to help me out here with the details because a lot of it, some of it, goes so fast that you're not entirely sure who's going where and why. Basically, Rana is trying to buy twenty hits of ecstasy from. No, you've already fucked it up. Yeah. See. Yeah. See. Okay. okay. Yeah. Do you mean just do the entire fucking movie? All right. Well. I will start with this. Rana, Simon, and Katie Holmes' character and another character named Manny, they all work at the same grocery store. Yes. Simon uh, trades shifts with Rana so he can go to Vegas with some friends. Two guys come up looking for Simon, specifically because Simon sells them X. That's, yeah, okay. And Rana decides, hey, I need the money because I'm about to get evicted, so I can just cut out the middleman Simon and go to Simon's dealer, Todd, played by Timothy Oliphant. And... And I'll just buy from him. So she does. He is absolutely not trusting her at all. 
she, she he refuses to like give her a good faith advance on it. So she has Katie Holmes stay with him as collateral. Yeah, as you do yes. with your fucking friends. She goes over to the he house. He also makes her take off her shirt, which is what the rapey, kind of rapey part we were referring to, especially because it's later revealed that she's 17 years old. The the creepy part of that was just the male gaze of the camera, I'm going to say. He was checking yeah. her for a fucking wire because she just came uh, in and was like, hey, you know the amount oh. of drugs you need to turn intent, intent to sell into trafficking? I want that amount of drugs. I didn't even get that. See? Yeah. Look yeah. at you. I thought like, he was just being creep. No, he was checking her for a fucking wire because she was uh, asking for, like, a, for a super an exact amount, amount of drugs. Which will come into play very shortly. Yeah, because um, Adam and Zach specifically at, say they, they have a party with 20 friends and they need 20 hits of X. Right. So she ends up getting the pills from Todd and then goes to their house and there's William Fickner is there. You look at him and he's like, oh, hey, it's a cop because it's William fucking Fickner. <laughs> It's a cop, and for some reason, this room is is lit like a fucking sitcom. Yeah, so it's the world, it's the three, when I saw this at first, before the later plot is revealed, I was like, oh, so it's the world's three worst narcs. <laughs> yeah, that's like, most obvious I am narcs. a person that does not pick up on subtext, and it, yeah. It what was else like, have I seen William Fickner in? Because as soon as I saw him, I was just like, oh, that dude's a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's not, he's never not playing cops or businessmen or something like that. And you'd be right on yep. both, in both accounts. Yes. Anyway, so she ends up flushing the pills because she realizes that this is not going to go well. And, um, she kind of backs out of the deal, but then she goes, then they realize, oh, well, we can't really go back to Todd and say like, oh yeah, hey, um, not only did we not sell the drugs, but also we don't have the drugs anymore. Yeah. So she and Manny, at this point, Manny has actually stolen two of the pills, which, one thing Todd told her was, don't let anyone take more than one because one is more than enough. Because it's pharmaceutical grade and it's high quality. And we assume that Todd has taken lower quality cut X before, but not this stuff. Right. Yeah. So Manny's just tripping fucking balls. So they go to a grocery store, steal a bunch of like Benadryl and Tylenol and shit to pass off as X. Um, they go back to Todd, uh, Todd's place, collect Katie Holmes, whose character name I don't remember. Uh, Clara or something? Claire. It starts with a yeah. Claire. Then yeah. they all go to the Christmas warehouse wa- rave, um, at which point Ronda realizes, hey, I have all these extra pills. I can just make some money selling them to dipshits with fucking orange goggles, which she does. Yep. Oh, by the way, I did a goggle count in this movie. I also counted egg glass egg shades as goggles for semantic reasons, and then there oh, are yeah. six. Oh, yeah, those were huge in the day, too, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so Todd realizes that Rana has fucked him over, that she's given him, not only does he not have his money, but he also has, not only did he give her her money back, but also he doesn't have his pills anymore. So he goes to the rave intending to kill her, pretty much. And um, it's it's at this rave where, it, like, most of the Christmas shit, like, lands, because yeah. in the rave... There's a gigantic there's... green Santa. Frank yeah, green Santa. Giant Glow techno paints. robot Santa, yes. I love it. It's horrible. So they're at the rave. Manny sees Todd, which I don't know how Manny knows Todd and knows that this is a bad thing happening, but he does. Um, yeah. They run out without Katie Holmes, and um, she ha- she makes Manny hide in an alley. She runs out, runs into Todd. He starts chasing her with a gun. She gets hit by a fucking car that knocks her in a ditch and just drives the fuck off. And then and we cut back to Simon. Part one. So then we move on to um, Simon, and it goes all the way back to the grocery store. 
We've established where Simon is going. Simon is going to Las Vegas to hang out with his buddies and go to the Crazy Horse Strip Club in Las Vegas. Seems oddly specific. So Simon wakes yes. up in a trunk. They're just going out to Vegas for fun, and yeah. for whatever reason, they ask Todd for recommendations, and he recommends Crazy Horse. Yeah. yeah. So Simon wakes up in a trunk, and for whatever reason, even though there's room in the car for four people, he gets out, and he vomits, and then they he gets into the front with his buddies, which are... Two random dudes who are pretty much not relevant to the plot whatsoever, other than they eat bad shrimp and lay up in the hotel the entire time. And They're I just, just want to say, thank God that happened, because I was like, oh dear God, am I going to have to spend 20 fucking minutes with Breck and Meyer? They are the worst characters in this movie by far. It's Breck and Meyer and Randy Quaid's son from Independence Day. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Tay Diggs is the bad. other friend that actually doesn't get food poisoning. Right. Yeah, and and he's he's like the, the friend who has it all together. Uh, that's Marcus. I don't even bother. I think Flip. I I don't even know the fucking name of the other two. They're just such it's tiny and sing. Tiny and sing. That's right. They're such For- dipshit characters. And one of them breaks out a racial epithet at the very beginning. And it's that's Breck and Meyer. Very, Thank you, Breck yeah, and Meyer. It's, it's very cringeworthy and terrible, and it makes me hate them even more. And I'm glad they got. All I'll really say is I that. Would, at least Breckenmeyer is not Seth Green in 1999. <laughs> because it very easily could have been. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. All right. So they get to Vegas, and they get up in the hotel room. They eat at the buffet. They get the two dipshits. The two uh, beaver boys get food poisoning from the shrimp and white wine. They're laid up in the hotel room. Uh, so Marcus and uh, Simon, who I might mention is Irish, uh, which is m- mostly inconsequential, but... He kind of uses it to his advantage when hitting on. Women. Is he Irish or is he British? He's <laughs> Irish. It's it's it it says. Um, I was watching it with subtitles, and at some point, some uh, the subtitles say mock Irish accent. But like, the idea I got was that he was British, but he was pretending to be Irish for the sake of it. You know what I mean? Like that. Oh, he was, that he was like you know. Oh, I gotta be. Possible. I gotta be so, exotic. I, so there's there's a know. scene where he just wanders into a, a Las Vegas wedding. And yes. he he hooks he hooks up with two of the bridesmaids and they take him back up to their room to get high. And while they're all high, they just ask him to say things in his in his exotic accent. And he starts he just he really starts putting on the Irish the accent. Thick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. that's true because it, it's kind of mixed because at another point somebody I think uh, Marcus says, "Is your British ha- your British ass happy?" Yeah. When yeah. things are when shit's hitting the fan. Anyways, regardless. Uh, so he, as you mentioned, he loses all of his money. Marcus cuts him off. He goes and crashes a wedding and ends up hooking up with two of the bridesmaids and having a threesome with them. Uh, one of them, while smoking weed, puts uh, tissues up her nostrils. They catch on fire. He puts it out or thought he did. It catches the curtains on fire. A fucking Nickelodeon gack alarm starts going off. <laughs> it's the worst. That's the only reason I wanted to do this part Someone is how bad the secret slime action. Yeah, how bad the sound effects are in this part. Like, it's not a fire alarm in any sense of the word. It's like... It's the the most, like, like, stock, like, alarm. Like, I'm pretty sure it's the same alarm that I have on my cell phone when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's a a klaxon starts going off. (laughs) He gets out of Dodge before that whole situation. He just leaves. Wait, wait, wait. Hold Uh, on, hold on, hold on. What? What? Joe, you just use, like, the fucking klaxon noise as your alarm clock? It's the, it's the worst. Why do as, you hate somebody, yourself so much? It, why because... does he hate everybody who's around him? Because as somebody who's been around Joe when he's used this alarm, 
I mean, it wakes you up, but it's it's the worst sound in the it world. It does its job. What? I mean, I want an alarm that I'm not going to sleep through. Like, if yeah, I want to sleep through my alarm. I use the fucking reggae music. I'm not going to sleep through that either. But at least it's not a fucking alarm. <laughs> it's, Joe, it's the worst. I'm going to have to level with you. <laughs> it's the alarm on my iPhone that is literally titled alarm. What the fuck else would I use it for? <laughs> I don't when know for sli- when the fucking when missiles have been launched. Time. <laughs> when it's slime time. <laughs> okay. When you've I'm said- sorry. I didn't realize this was going to become a thing. Like, my, per- my personal sleeping word? proclivities are, are, are now affecting Brad and Jonathan's life. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize this, okay? I, all, I sleep alone. When I wake up in the morning, I want an alarm that's going to get my ass out of bed because, holy shit, this alarm sounds terrible and I need to get as far away from it as I fucking that- can. That's not entirely true, Joe, because I've heard Here, that alarm before. Is a, this is a way but Hold on. Where is it? That's a way <laughs> less terrible noise, and it'll wake you the fuck up. No, I have now, slept now, through now that do, alarm now do, before. Now do Joe's. Now do Joe's. Absolutely not. I believe in you, Jake. Yep. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one, and it's the that's the exact stock noise that plays when the fire is happening in this movie. They need to change the name of that alarm to "Get Up, You Dumb Motherfucker." <laughs> I I I I know it's not true, but I swear it might be subliminal. There's like a slight rumbling in the background of that. It probably is. <laughs> like the Titan missile is is coming through the pod bay doors. Um. So, anyways, so. Uh, as an aside to this, uh, Marcus keeps getting confused for a service person because he's black. He's in the bathroom and somebody asks him to hand. It's also because he's wearing a fucking yellow jacket that looks absolutely fucking terrible and is the exact same jacket that all of the valets are wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but he's, but he's in in the Las Vegas have won the mass, the golf masters at some point. Yes. Yeah, but but in the bathroom, he's the only one in there, and some text like some guy in a oh the, no yeah, there's a racist motherfucker in the bathroom. But outside, yeah, yeah, that's that's the racist part. But then outside, he's wearing the same jacket as the valets, and some some douchebag pulls up in a convertible and asks him to keep it close, and there's an extra ten for him. So Marcus ends up just taking the car because who's gonna know? Yeah, just take the damn uh, Lambo. So they go on a joy ride with with a Lambo, I think, or something yeah. like that. Simon finds the gun in the glove compartment and points it in every single direction that's not safe while trying to see if it's loaded. In every direction, uh, including at himself. Yes, it's so uncomfortable. They they finally get to the strip club that Todd has recommended. This this car scene, all of this is, is playing out to the tune of uh, that Lynn song, Steal My Sunshine, because if you needed a reminder, this film takes place in 1999. Place in 1999. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they uh, they pull up to the strip club. They also, uh, Simon has Todd's credit card, which he used to secure a discount on the room, uh, which he said he'd be paying in cash. They get to Crazy Horse. And Marcus gives Simon a talk about how he can order anything he wants but champagne because champagne is code for you're going to get a private lap dance in the back. Uh, Simon, being the dipshit that he is, immediately or like girl girls show up and uh, put their anatomy in his face and he immediately orders some champagne. So they go into the back. Not not There's just a, not just champagne, but he specifically says, "Give me your most expensive, most expensive champagne." champagne. Like, so, I'm, I'm not just going to break the rules. I'm going to break the fuck out of these rules. Yeah. And so they need a credit card. And uh, so Simon puts down Todd's credit card. And Marcus, although calling him a dumbass, is rolling with it. And he's having a good time. 
they're getting a private lap dance, but there's a bouncer back in the back that says, there's only one rule, no touching. Girls can touch you, you can't touch them. Simon proceeds to break this rule, and the bouncer comes back after the stripper shouts and uh, begins kicking kicking Simon. Marcus tries to defend Simon. Simon gets up and shoots the bouncer in the arm. Uh, they proceed to flee, and then the bouncer and his father, who I think is the, the proprietor of the joint, I guess, yeah, yeah. Proceed, proceed to give chase. <laughs> uh, they figure out where they're staying. They go back and get the two dipshits. There's a close call where they have to bribe the boy in the next room who they had pissed off earlier. It's like a connecting room. It's like the. It's so strange because I don't know. I've done this before in a room and it's really strange. Like the kid knocks on the door connecting their room to the, the kid's room. And Marcus just opens the door like, this is our room. And the kid's like, who are you? Or what but are then, you doing in here? And he yeah, says, what are you doing here? He goes, like, this is our room. And then Breck and Meyer, like an idiot, um, yeah, it says raping small children. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I never really got that the, either. Like the the hotel rooms that had the door in between them. That was just it was it was like if you bought the two, you could basically turn it into like a mini suite. If you had two people that knew each other staying next to each other, yeah, it's, it's you could for open larger the parties. doors. Yeah, it's like if if you have like a family of four and you want to have like connecting rooms, essentially. But you knocked on it when there were randos on the other side, Joe. I did. When I, I remember doing this, this when I was a kid, like knocking on the door and they, like some some other dad like opening it up, going like, "No, we don't do this here." And he just closed it back. <laughs> <laughs> wah, like, wah. Okay, well, lesson learned. Um, but yeah, they make the, we a daring getaway. That's the most fucking dad thing imaginable. Yeah, he's like, we don't we don't do this. Here. <laughs> okay. he's, he's even like being a dad to kids who aren't his own. It's like <laughs> it looks like I just did, my good bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, so they bribe the kid to get get through the other room. They they leave. There's a car chase where they almost get caught again and get rammed through an alleyway. Uh, but they escape from Las Vegas with a car that's partially smashed and Todd's credit card on file, or they actually have Todd's credit card. Uh, so, and then um, that brings us to scene. Oh, did I miss anything? No, no. I just wanted to make a make a point after this. See, that, that's the end of the Simon section of the story. I, I want to also, I want to put a pin in this and say I wanted dibs on Simon's story, not because I enjoyed it particularly much, but I wanted to bring up the gack alarm. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. All right. But, but no, in my, in my notes for Simon's part of the story, I wrote like three different things here. And it's like completely indicative of who Simon is as a character. Um, Marcus says, don't touch the gun. Simon touches the gun. Don't buy the champagne. Simon buys the champagne. <laughs> Don't touch the girls. Simon touches the girls. Yeah. Every time someone tells Simon not to do something, he immediately does it. Has to do it. Has to do it. That's just... That's Simon all around. This part has nothing to do with Christmas, by the way. There is no Christmas in this part of the film. Las Vegas isn't even done up for Christmas. No. Yeah, the thing that confuses me is... It's not actually clear why they're going to Vegas either. Like, it's not spe- like anyone's bachelor party or anything. It's nope, not specifically they're either going up. to Vegas for a Christmas party. It's just four dudes going to Vegas. Yeah. It but, happens. I mean, I guess when you live that close to Vegas, it's it's the kind of thing you can do on a, on a long weekend. You know, yeah. we, you know around, around here, Christmas. we go to the beach on a long weekend, like Labor Day weekend. But uh, in Las Vegas, in L.A., I guess you go to Vegas. Yeah, it's That's an option. Fun. All right, so and then then we're then we're off to to meet Adam and Zach, and we backtrack again, and we discover 
that the reason William Fickner's house is lit like a shitty TV set is because the whole thing is a ruse and they're cops on a sting operation. No. Well, partially. Well, true, he's a cop on a sting operation. Adam they are, Zach me, are they actors, actors who play cops yes. on TV. Exactly. Yes. They have been caught um, probably trying to buy from a cop. So they have been they have been turned and are now going to wear wires for the cop. Let me just say before we get into this part that this credits to this movie, this pulled a switcheroo and took it in a different direction than what I was expecting, and I liked it a lot. It this part does kind of zig where it you think it might zag. Yes. And so I, I guess Katie Holmes's a speech at the beginning maybe becomes appropriate because like, yeah, this is kind of a surprise. So they are actually, they're actually really trying to get Todd, but they're just like, okay, to get Todd, we need to get Simon. And then getting Simon, they, they fuck up that. It's like, okay, well, we'll get Rana who will get us Simon who will get us Todd. Um, so right, Rana right, comes yeah. over and she immediately is weirded out just by a bunch of different things. The fact that they said that, oh, our friends got snowed in in, Phil- in Chicago and then William Victor starts talking about Philadelphia and they all start looking weird about that. And then. She, she wants orange juice, and Fickner's like, oh, we're all out of orange juice, which they very specifically bought, like, 20 things of orange juice earlier. Yeah. And they so just, like, and, and they just quote-unquote, left it in the car, like... Yeah. And it's that yeah. frozen Donald Duck orange juice that you can't leave in the car. Yeah, it's, it's just gonna melt and get all over the car seats, and your dad's gonna get mad at you. Yeah, I get it. And you guys drink that when you were little? Was, yeah, all the time. I remember that. I ate it out of the can all the time. What are you talking about? Interesting. I wonder if they still sell that. Oh, they totally do. Okay. Absolutely. Orange juice concentrate is like is is still pretty big, I think. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. So, so uh one of the guys, I forget which one Jay Moore plays, but Jay Moore tips her off, he drops the title line go, set you know, that this is a setup. Yeah, Jay Moore so, is Zach. Um uh, Scott Wolf is so, Adam. Yeah, so uh she leaves. Um and the bus is kind of uh, the sting is basically mounted to nothing. Um, William Fickner tells them, all right, come back over to my house for dinner with my wife, and then I'll, you know, then we'll drop the charges and everything. Yeah, he invites him to Christmas yeah. dinner. But at the same time, he's also being really, like, really weird. Like, he knows these two guys are gay and are just kind of, like, you know, so you got a girlfriend type, very leading questions. Is she faithful, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Asking him about if they work out, stuff like that. So they go back to uh, his house where his wife is uh, Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski, yep, of yeah, 30, of Thirty Rock. Which apparently Melissa McCarthy's in this movie too, but I don't remember seeing her. She's she's uh, the the hairdresser Jimmy's. Uh, okay. Roommate. Okay. Yeah. So um, they go back there, and it really feels like they're trying to basically, okay, like, hey, y'all want to swing? Yeah. 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 yeah that's that's where I. Uh, that's this is where it zigs, and I love it. Well, here, here's the thing: like they definitely do that. It's not like they're insinuating it. They're 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 definitely like getting trying to get them in on a on a swing kind of thing here. But also, like, well, also, why we have you here for sex? Wait, um, that's that's implied that they they were still down the swing. I thought he was just being weird as part of the pitch. Well, I mean, Jane Krakowski, like, like, like she like gets all up in in uh, Adam's face, like she right. makes out with yeah. him. Yeah, so I it, thought it's, it's I not thought like they're was... insinuating anything. They're just straight up like coming on to them. I thought it was like a 1999 type joke where is that the husband is closeted and she's, you know, she doesn't know that he's gay, and so she has pent up 
whatevers and he's coming on to the other one i i see i that's got how i just I got the impression it. that they were both they were both into everything and uh i mean you may be right about that that's the impression i got and then i thought they zagged on me with the what what is revealed next no i think they're 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 hitting on them for two completely separate okay reasons. gotcha gotcha like one's so, not yeah. one's not a ruse for the other they're they're doing two things at once here I see. Yeah, she's like, well, okay. while, while we have you over here for the sex party, uh, you want to sell Amway for us? Yeah, they basically proposition them for a multi-level <laughs> but, but, pyramid but, scheme. But Figner, like, gives, he lays it out for them in this very tense kind of, like, dinner scene where it, it looks like he's about to admit that he has a horrible disease to them. But instead, he's just like, uh, do you, would you like to sell products for our company? Uh, well, when he starts out, he's like, you see all this nice stuff around here. You know, we get all this nice stuff. And my thing is, is he's being like, oh, he's a crooked cop. Well, he has yeah. an unsecured gun rack. What a good cop. Welcome to the 90s in L.A., yeah. Those should be in a safe. Uh, but yeah, so he tries to rope them into Amway, and they and they leave, and they're just kind of like, well, fuck this. <laughs> and no, that was dumb. I think, I think there's a later scene where there's a box of bleach from Consolidated Products in the trunk. I think it's implied that they, like bought a box of bleach oh yeah they, like they leave with us with us with a rack of papers like they totally like yeah they, they totally like just, okay we'll just we'll do, yeah we'll sell for you can we go now yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah so they realize that they've been cheating on each other with the same guy jimmy the hairdresser or jimmy and makeup yeah, yeah jimmy okay, and makeup yeah. from their show and they go talk to Melissa mccarthy realize he's at the same rave that everything else is happening at they go there and confront jimmy and then as they're leaving, they hit Rana with their car because they're the guys in the car from earlier. And they have, it's the one good visual gag in this movie is when they, after they hit her and she's on the windshield, he uses the windshield wiper and it hits her in the ass. <laughs> Smacking her in the face, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just once, it goes like, boop, and then it just goes back down like that's going to solve anything. <laughs> so they drive off, they stop, realize, oh shit, we're still wearing the wire. The cops could be listening to us talk about how we just left her for dead. Um, so they go back, find out she's alive, they just throw her on top of a car to set off the alarm and run off. Maybe it was just late when I watched this, but this this, this scene felt like it took forever. Like, they hemmed and hawed over he... what to do, and then, like, watched as the scene sort of played out, as people started to come in and check out this girl that had just been hit by a car, and, like... It did take a while, because also, uh, one of them was having a freakout and was trying to, like, walk the other through it, like, it's just, they're working yeah, on a scene. Yeah, yeah, but, it, but it, was, it was very, like... I guess the word I'm looking for here is real. It was a very real scene because they really took their time with it and really played out. They're like, no, this is a serious situation. And this guy is losing his shit. Probably some metaphor for like coming down off of a high here that I'm just not cool enough to get. I I think you're absolutely right. And it's also like the lighting and the scene, like day is just barely starting to break and it's starting to get lighter. Yeah. And the party is, the the party is over and it's just not as fun as it was, you know, an hour and a half ago. Yeah. 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 And anyway, then, so um, Rana wakes up at the hospital next to a guy who very blatantly, obviously fell off his fucking roof trying to play Santa. It is <laughs> yes. my favorite fucking like unsaid gag in the in the movie. But it cuts it's, over to this guy in a Santa suit wearing a neck brace with his family around him, and they're all wearing like the kids are wearing pajamas. <laughs> this guy fell off his fucking roof. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Like, it's also very good. Yeah, it's kind of like a nod to Gremlins if uh, Phoebe Cates' dad hadn't killed himself trying to come down the chimney. Or, so uh, um, yeah. Katie Holmes ends up going to the diner where she always meets with Manny and Rana after 
if they if, if they get separated uh yeah. todd is there she ends up hitting on him they go back to his place and start fucking on the stairway to his apartment yeah, and the cat starts the cat starts watching yeah the cat starts watching and he's oh, like oh why is the cat outside we didn't uh, talk about the cat did we no we'll get to the cat Okay. So we're, um, at the, we're at the cat now. So yeah. Well, they uh. So they were like, oh, someone else is here. It's the guys from the strip club who had Todd's address. Todd literally draws them a map to Simon's house so they can kill Simon. <laughs> so go kill Simon. <laughs> but guess who shows up? It's Simon. Simon it's shows Simon. up looking for a place to hide, and they all agree that the the proper thing is that if the guy Simon shot in the arm gets to shoot Simon in the arm. Claire Claire is kind of the moderating force here. Like, he's about to friggin' kill Simon Executioner style, or not, just in the back of the head on a coffee table. She's like, calm down, what do you want? And so they use a Sharpie to mark an X on Simon's arm where he gets to shoot him. It's it's kind of funny. It's and, pretty funny. Yeah, and like the, the scene builds tension where like, all right, we're going to do this now. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, and they just they point the gun at his arm, and he gets ready, and he prepares, and he puts his finger on the trigger, and he's like, man, I can't do it. And they try it again. He's like, man, I can't do it. And so Katie Holmes, she gets up, and my first thought was like, okay, Katie Holmes is about to shoot this guy in the arm herself. But no, she leaves. She's like, fuck this. Then, I'm done with this. I have to go to work, and she leaves. And as soon as she leaves, they shoot him in the arm. We, we hear it through the door. All right. Yes. <sighs> so two two asides while we're still at Todd's apartment. The first yes. is the cat. Should okay. we address the cat? The the cat is <sighs> the best character on the movie. The cat is the most real character in the film because the cat knows what's up. The cat knows how to play the games that these idiot characters play, and the cat can see the future. Yes. The cat <laughs> can read minds. No, there's when um <laughs> Marcus no, not Marcus, Man- not Todd, Manny. Manny is tripping balls on ecstasy. They go to they go to Todd's apartment to return the, uh, the fake ex, and the cat is there. And Manny is imagining that the cat can read his mind, and the cat has subtitles saying as much, and then saying that he's gonna die. Right. <laughs> like the, well, the very last thing we see with the cat with Manny is just this, the the cat was staring into the camera, just going, "You're going to die." Well, my favorite part was the back and forth they had where they were trying to think of a dead celebrity whose first name starts with X, and the cat gives him Shanghai Shek. Shek. And, yeah. the, and Manny argues back, no, you you romanized it wrong. Because it yeah, starts it's with, with C-H. C-H. C-H, yeah. <laughs> Which, like I said earlier, the answer is Javier Cugat. He died in 1990. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, when, uh, they, start, when then... they start playing this game, the first name they throw out is Omar Sharif, who died in 2015. Uh, oops. <laughs> Oops, indeed. Um, the other aside is there's a blooper that I noticed, which may be literally the first blooper that I've ever noticed in a movie that's not a B-grade movie. Uh, and that's because it's related to video games, and I am beyond help. Uh, Welcome to video game chat, everybody. Y- yes. Earlier when Rana is in the in Todd's apartment, there's an N64 on top of the television. Uh, later in this scene where it's daytime and they're about to shoot... Simon in the arm, there is an NES on top of the television. Two systems that do not look any what any they they don't look similar at all. One's one's rounded in nineties looking and the other's a box. Well look, Claire so. and Todd were there for like an hour just waiting, so Yeah, maybe they took it down and, and played it, and maybe they got the NES out. It's entirely plausible. <laughs> maybe but... maybe Todd said I've got battle toads and Claire was all about some battle toads. That is entirely possible. Maybe they Maybe they got it down and played some some NFL blitz. Who knows? 
or or Brad's original maybe, theory, which we talked about off podcast. My original theory was if the night scenes where Rana is borrowing X or or buying X was shot first, uh, the set dresser maybe they had a kid and they borrowed the N sixty four to do the the set design. And then sometime during filming, the kid wanted the N64 back because a new hot game came out. Uh, and so they had to make do and, and put an NES up there. Uh, He's just like, Joseph, no, I need it back to play WCW versus NWO Revenge. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but then... Joseph firmly shot a hole in that by looking up what N64 games were released in March of 1998, was it? So they shot this film in March of 1998. So here are the three video games that came out for the Nintendo 64 in March of 1998. You've got Yoshi's Story, which, okay, I, I can imagine a kid wanting to play that. StarCraft 64, which I can't yeah. imagine anybody ever wanting to play under any circumstances. On the N64. On the N64. And then finally, 1080 Snowboarding, which I can reasonably imagine every character in this film playing at least twice. Yeah, because 1080 snowboarding is uh, 1999 extreme to the extreme. Correct. And there you have it. There you have it. So, unless uh, it was just a blooper where they said uh, get the Nintendo back, and they didn't know what Nintendo it was, so they just grabbed something off the shelf. This is a Nintendo, right? Yeah. This is what a Nintendo is. Who cares? People who don't play people who don't play video games dressed this set clearly. This is a Sega tape. <laughs> How do I rewind these Nintendo tapes? <laughs> Rounding out, I guess, the plot of Go real quick. Um, it's Christmas. I guess it's Christmas Day now at this point because cr- the film takes place at Christmas Eve. And yeah, the, Rana, the grocery store is still open. Well, of course it is. B- because capitalism never sleeps. Not even on Christmas. Uh, but, but Rana and... Uh, Claire go back to the, cl- the nightclub because they realize they, they've left Manny there all night. They find Manny, you know, kind of hiding out where they left him in the little makeshift tin shack behind the nightclub. And then Manny, before the film ends, Manny says, so is it Manny or is it uh, Simon? Somebody it, says, so what are we doing for New Year's? It's Manny. Oh, it's I was Ma- going to say it's, it's Argyle Manny. from Die Hard. <laughs> It is Argyle. Also, this thing ends exactly the way Die Hard ends. Yeah. I should also mention that... If this is how you guys uh, celebrate Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. <laughs> I should also mention that it's commonly referred to as a warehouse rave throughout this entire movie. Okay, and fine. During during the 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 daytime, when they're searching for, for Manny, it's revealed that this building is like the size of a pizza hut. It's not very big. <laughs> It's it's also at an airport, which is kind of weird. Well, there I mean, it's in it's, the background. It's, it's wherever you can find a, a large empty space to house a lot of people. Really, I guess so. Not that large though. No, Anyways. big enough. When you when you cram it full of people, it looks huge. And you put a giant right. creepy Santa Claus in it, it looks huge. I guess so. So yeah, uh, that's that's go. I think. Uh, this kind of like the sure thing, and kind of like. Um, some of the other films we've watched, it's a Christmas. It's a Christmas film, basically in name only, but also yeah, it, it, the way it starts out with her giving a speech about Christmas, you actually think it's going to have some Christmas themes in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then they just kind of forget about it to have drugs and titties instead. 
which yeah in, in that much it's kind of like reindeer games yeah but i would i would wager a hell of a lot better than reindeer games by every reasonable metric yeah, ben affleck totally could have been in this couldn't he Oof. oh he could have like this was 99 was um about a clock <laughs> 1999 was Ben a clock of, uh, uh, of of course like oh dear lord yeah I could totally see Ben Affleck playing uh, Timothy Oliphant's character yeah he could have been he really could have like if Timothy if Timothy Oliphant had gotten the role in, in Practical Magic like he was supposed to uh, this could have gone to Ben Affleck but instead Timothy Oliphant had to kind of slum it as a drug lord in this movie as you do from time to time as an actor I guess um so yeah, uh, cr- final Christmas thoughts before we get into the, the crankometer for a go. Anybody? Gingerbread cookies. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Were you wanting like Christmas thoughts that were relevant to this movie, or just Christmas thoughts in general? Because my my Christmas thought in general was gingerbread cookies. Oh, I will say that the the most Christmassy thing that happens in this film is that two girls who are also tripping balls draw a Christmas tree on Manny's chest during the rave. And the Christmas song pops up once. Yeah, and I, while they're in William Fickner's house, like the music that plays kind of un- underneath that, it's some some kind of Nutcracker music. But for a brief kind of moment, I thought it was trans is specifically Trans Siberian Orchestra, but it's not I, quite. I'm actually thinking about something now. Based off of the sure thing in this, is the Christmas song the cheapest Christmas song to get the licensing rights to? Because it seems like if you're just going to go with one, you end up going with that one. And I would argue it's not the most iconic Christmas song, you know. So I'm guessing it must just be the cheapest. It 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 has to be really. I mean, otherwise you're you're singing, um, you know, the the old Christmas standards that are like public domain. Like unless it's a religious hymn, it's going to be Jingle Bells or Winter Wonderland or stuff like that, which. They're but like, fun songs, get, like, but they're the, not like the Bing Cos- Crosby White Christmas or like Sinatra's Happy Little Merry Little Christmas, something like that. But instead, they go with the Christmas song. Yeah, I mean, e- e- you're either going to go with Mel Torme or you're going to go with Irving Berlin, as far as like classic standard Christmas songs go. Like, unless you just don't want to pay for the rights, you know, that's kind of what you go for. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's, oh no! The podcast is over. Time to wake up, Joe. You've been dreaming. <laughs> Vicky was right. It was all a dream. <laughs> oh so I guess that alarm means it's time to talk about the crankometer, folks. Our patented XY axis scale where we rate these films based on their Christmas quotient versus their quality quotient. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, on the X axis of Christmas Ossity, uh, how Christmassy is Go? What do we rate the sure thing? Yeah. We rated the sure thing. I think it was a one. Yeah, it was a one. We gave it points for, for trying, basically. Um, what did we give the night before, actually? That's that's a better question to ask. The night yeah. before? Um, on our website now, christmascreeps.com. <laughs> we rated the night before a four. Wow. Christmasosity? Yeah, yeah. Sight it was two. way up there. I, I, yeah, I would go with two with this one because it, it uses Christmas more than the sure thing, not as much as the night before. Yeah, I, that's that's a good. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't hadn't brought that up before uh, this that this film rather uh, because yeah they they do share a lot in common but they don't necessarily uh, play it the same way. 
yeah, I think you're right. The night before definitely has more plays more with the Christmas uh, sort of trappings and songs and whatnot. I mean, like nobody in this film wears a Christmas sweater for one. Manny's kind of wearing like this weird bejeweled thing yeah, that might sort be of. like a Christmas sweater, but and their shitbox ass car has Christmas lights and shit all inside it. That's that's yeah, kind of a, yeah. I, that's kind of a good look if you ask me. I like that car. It's it's good look for a beater is to dress it up for Christmas like that. I think Todd wears a Santa hat that looks like it probably was on his dick at one point. Oh, definitely was on his dick at one point. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say a two sounds about right. I mean, it's Christmassy. We get we get a, a family Christmas dinner scene, and we get a giant creepy giant creepy techno Santa. At least gives you one point. Uh, I think that might be the the uh, header image for this this uh, episode. Actually, is that that giant Santa thing? It's an interesting piece of set decoration. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. So I think a two sounds about right. And then uh, on the Y axis, the quality quotient. How good was this film? Did you guys enjoy it? I certainly did. I thought I I liked it. I didn't I didn't hate my time with it. I'll I'll tell you this. I I, I this might sound bad, but I liked the middle Simon portion the best. Not because it had less to do with Christmas, but more just because I th- I thought the the dynamic of someone tells Simon not to do a thing and then Simon does the thing was it it never failed to entertain me. It it had some good energy to it. I thought good um, yeah good energy is a way to put it. I thought the Simon thing was a little if I don't, I don't know just the the Vegas throwing the Vegas into it made it feel kind of incongruous like it was. Suddenly the movie stopped for 20 minutes to be a different movie before it went back to the regular movie again. Yeah, yeah, but the different different movie was quite all right with me, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking maybe but if you, they had just instead gone to some shitty strip club in, in L.A., you know? It might have been a little more, yeah, cohesive. It, yeah, it, not, that, not, that it was, not that it would make it better. It just would make it, yeah, like, feel a little more co- coherent is probably the best way to put it. But I you know, like, you. the you're kind of right, though, because, like, the... On Hulu, which is where we where I watch the film at least, and on IMDb, like all the little short plot synopses all say the same thing, and it's like a bunch of friends score some drugs and go to Vegas for Christmas. Like, no, not everybody does. Most of them stay in in L.A. No, the people who yeah. score drugs and people who go to Vegas are two separate groups. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's technically right, but like they're they're kind of leading you leading you. Well, yeah, a, well it's kind of like it's kind of like the movie just suddenly has a sub movie in it of a completely different genre because Vegas movies are just about their own genre th- th- at mm-hmm. this point. True. I mean, it, it definitely feels like it comes from the director of swingers because it did. Um, so I, I feel like maybe the middle portion of the film was, was Doug Lyman sort of leaning into what he already knew how to do, even though swingers is it, swingers and go are two fa- fairly different films. I think so. What you're implying is that he made the middle section take place in Vegas so he could sell it like, hey, remember my Vegas movie? I'm making another one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, the, the swingers guy is back in Vegas, everybody. Like, it's going to be great. And that's kind of not what this turned into. into. But uh, I'm sure that's that's how they tried to spin it. I'm thinking maybe that's he, how he pitched it to the studio to get it made. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Kind Maybe of like so. how how Scream was pitched. It was like, oh, it's Drew Barrymore in a slasher movie. Yeah, exactly. Because I think she got fucking second billing on the poster of that damn movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we still need to a- apply a number to this film. Uh, I'm going to say a number and tell me if this is too high or too low. I'm going to say three. I was thinking three. I can feel three. Okie doke. Yeah, this might not, this might not resonate too much 
with anyone who's not an actual real 90s remember. <laughs> yeah. But I, I yeah. like I, I did I did like the fact that it totally felt just like some like shitty assholes in ninety nine who like work at a grocery store solely to pay for their drugs. Like yeah, it absolutely. definitely it definitely like nailed that vibe. And yeah. and not that I lived it, but it's just I've 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 consumed enough media from that same period that it's just like oh yeah this is the, this is the shit. Mm-hmm. I'll 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 say this like the week leading up to recording this episode, I kind of drove around listening to the soundtrack, kind of just to get my head in the right frame of mind for this movie. And man, oh man, is this the most 1999 soundtrack ever? You fucking preparing <laughs> me fucking preparing, <laughs> and then me like whiffing on it. L- listen to this. Um, but I mean, this is the the 90, 1999 ass soundtrack right here. You got your No Doubts, you got your Fat Boy Slim, you got Steal My Sunshine, you got all kinds of like weird uh, '90s sort of techno crap going on. Is you got a really actually a really good remix of Magic Carpet Ride, which I kind of enjoyed. <laughs> but uh, I kind of kind of think the soundtrack might be better than the film. This is one of those movies. Okay, and I have some bad news. Okay. There was literally no way for Sandstorm to be in this movie. Sandstorm came out in 2000. Rips. Oh, that hurts. They need a director's cut where they just put in Sandstorm. Every track that was a different track is now just Sandstorm. Yeah, like, uh, the idea I had was the entire soundtrack is now just Sandstorm, but with, like, jingle bell noise behind it, too, constantly. (laughs) Release, hashtag release the meme lord cut. Yes. (laughs) That should be that would be a fun experiment. Just like release a cut of Go that has no music on it, and just let the internet go crazy. Like here, make make a bit make of this what you will. And I could imagine like some version being nothing but Sandstorm for ninety minutes. <laughs> oh, thank you, Google. Google has given me the lyrics to Sandstorm. Uh what are the lyrics? Do 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 do. No, it is done. Dun 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 boom. Dun 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 beep. Beep! It literally says beep. Yeah, it all counts. That's where they. That's where Darude really flips the script. I mean, it's just revolutionary stuff. Yeah, I mean, not not a lot of people know this, but they did hire R two D two to write the lyrics to that song. <laughs> okay, so so the the main part of it, it's according to this, is da 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 Hell yeah! Hell yeah! At one point, about two thirds of the way through it, it just says it just says unintelligible. So, so real. Un- unintelligible, 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 unintelligible. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Unintelligible. Unintelligible. By Da Rude? I think we've we've worn out our welcome here with this episode guys uh unless anybody has any final final thoughts final words or want to talk about anything else i think we got to wrap this one up uh thank thank you everybody for listening really it means yes, a lot to us yes thank you um the last couple of months of uh downloads on this show not to talk shop for too long but the last couple of months have been pretty damn good and i would love to see our numbers go go up from here like We've got some fun. We know we've got some fun stuff coming up uh, in September and October. Home for the Horror Days is right around the corner. And after that, you know, it's prime Christmas, uh, prime Christmas time. So let's let's really ring in this holiday season with a bang. Heck yeah. So 
Are we gonna watch good movies or? Oh yeah, yeah. We've got we've I've got a couple of good ones in the pipeline. Uh, but until then, uh, there's a couple of different ways you can get at us online. If you'd like to leave us a comment or a question or send us a recommendation for a future episode, we are happily taking recommendations. Um, we are at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Christmas Creeps. Email us at xmascreeps at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on YouTube. We are all over the podcast universe. Uh, go find us. Subscribe. Leave star ratings and comments and reviews and all that fun stuff. Give us some love. Let people know that we are a show worth listening to. If you think we're a show worth listening to. You can buy to. us on CD and cassette at your local Tower Records or Sam Goody. You can also rent us at the weird CD rack at Cracker Barrel. Yeah. If you're going on a long road trip and you need to put some Christmas jabber in your ear holes, then uh, hit up Cracker Barrel and put, pick us up right next to the new John Grisham. We're right there. We're here for you, people. <laughs> tell them Bradford sent you. Tell them, tell them your old buddy Bradford sent you. Uh, but that's going to do it for Christmas Creeps. I'm Joseph Wade. I'm Bradford. Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. Happy Christmas. Breaking Mayberry, starring Martin Schneider and little Danny Ludwig, also featuring The Andy Griffith Show. Hi everybody, I'm Marty. I'm Dan. We're the hosts of Breaking Mayberry, a podcast dedicated to the show that PBS airs when the Atlanta Braves have a rain delay. I know what you're thinking. Why should I care about the show that my grandparents fall asleep to? The answer? It's Buck Wild. Topics discussed on this show include... Beauty contests. Child abduction. Voter suppression. The finer points of cutting hair. The plays of Shakespeare. Crazed shotgun-wielding hillbillies. Gun control. No, we're serious about that. Literal gun control. Roving bands of gossiping old women. All of this and more happens on The Andy Griffith Show and is talked about by us with special guests. Do you want to hear these events described and then yelled about? Don't listen to us on Breaking Mayberry. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.